0: Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you have any questions for our guests, there are many ways you can contact the show. You can post a question on our wall on Facebook, Skype us, send us a tweet on Twitter to at theorganicview, or you can contact me directly at June Stoyer. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today, my guest is Alice Shabakov, and we're going to be talking about how to protect children from toxic exposure. Alice Shabakov is an advocate who's been working diligently to raise awareness about the dangers of chemical use in our environment, as well as inside our own homes. She educates the public about how these toxic chemicals have impacted our health and also what we can do about it. Alice is also the author of Poison for Profit, the Toxic Assault on Our Children, which she actually co-authored with her husband, Philip. The shadow revealed that the children of baby boomers, the first to be raised in a truly, quote, toxified world, have higher rates of birth defects, asthma, cancer, autism, and a frightening range of other neurological illnesses from ADHD to mental retardation and other serious chronic illnesses than previous generations. Now, on today's show, we're going to be talking about what you need to look for as well as how severe this problem is. I mean, there are so many different illnesses that have been triggered by different toxins, and I don't even know if we can fill everything in one hour, folks. It's a lot to learn, and I guarantee you will learn a lot in today's segment. So I would like to welcome to the show Alice Shavikoff. Good afternoon, Alice.
1: Good afternoon, June, and thank you so much for hosting me. Alice, can you tell our audience about yourself? Yes. Um, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm, we lived all around the globe because my husband worked as a, as a journalist for the New York Times, And in the last 19 years of his work on the paper, he covered the environment, and we went from every corner of America to Africa and Europe for part of his work. Uh, By now, I'm the grandmother of five children, um, four of them boys and one girl, and actually the story of of how we got interested specifically in the effect of environmental toxins on kids has to do with... Those grandchildren. Our first grandson was born, and it was fairly clear not too long after he was born that he had some kind of neurological something going on. Um, it, he was diagnosed with ADHD and something they now call nonverbal learning disorder. There's a new illness diagnosed and labeled every week, and then we looked around at his neighborhood. He lives in a. They live in a very nice middle-class suburban neighborhood but it seemed to us as if the boys all of his friends all of the kids in his neighborhood especially the boys were suffering especially from neurological problems and so why was that and that piqued our curiosity we began to look into what is going on in this generation of kids and as you said June, we found that although when I was born though these many years ago it seems you know maybe we had uh, dust in our house and we were afraid of nuclear war, which thank God never materialized mm. but we were not subjected to the toxic assault um, every day of our lives, including in the in the womb and that is what has happened to today's kids why they why one in three children is sick with some kind of Disability from, um, as you said, cancer, birth defects, asthma, obesity, and all the neurological problems, including the enormous escalation of autism. So, um, but when we when we looked into this problem and we spent seven years researching it, uh, we found that there are some ways that you can protect your child in your home, in the womb, in the school. Uh, but mostly what we need to do is change the way we do business in this country. Uh, people, the corporations are producing items that uh, that we use in the home, that you, we use on our fields to grow foods, that we use to clean our public spaces that just are poisonous. And that's why we say poisoned for profit. And it's very
0: interesting, just on that one subject alone, how there was this big push back in the 70s. I remember as a kid, they were talking about, oh, glass is bad, glass is bad. We need to use plastic. And that was one of the biggest shams that was pushed not only on the American public, but on the global public. And it's amazing, the push for plastic, everything was plastic, plastic bags. Even in the supermarkets, they would say paper or plastic because they don't want to destroy or they didn't want to contribute to the deforestation of the wilderness. It was interesting how this whole thing came about where the marketers were using very realistic concerns they manipulated the problem so that it lent itself to their best interest. And that was basically what happened with this whole plastic movement. And lo and behold, 20 years later, right. And, you know, we see that there's a resurgence of the use of glass. I remember I interviewed the president of the Glass Packaging Institute, and it's just amazing. When you look at high-end foods, for example, especially organic foods, Organic foods in which the producer really understands and is very true to the whole organic movement, they're not going to continue to use plastic. The plastic, if they do use plastic, the grade is going to be a very high quality grade. Personally, I'm not a big fan of plastic, so at least there's progress that has been made. The bottom line is is that when you look at certain types of foods, they will never manufacture them in plastic all the big companies have moved towards using glass people don't even think about how many chemicals are leaching into those products and case in point if you look at bottled water i am mortified at the thought of purchasing a bottle of water and especially if it's a case of water that's been sitting in the sunlight where the sun is penetrating that plastic bottle and who knows what's leaching into that water just because you can't taste it just because you can't see it doesn't mean it hasn't leached into it
1: yes yes and i think you put your finger on one of the most important things that people can do in their homes which is do not use plastic um and what but you also have to be somewhat careful depending upon where you live about your water supply Mm. and if you you should definitely use a filter, one that you can put on a tabletop to filter your water. I live, I'm talking to you from the Boston area. They have a very good water supply in Boston. Nonetheless, we filter our water and, and ask our grandkids to filter, their family to filter their water. And if you could afford it, you could put in a whole house filter because the water that you absorbs through your skin in a shower is far more damaging to you than the water you drink which is a little known fact so you could put a little filter in your shower as well as um one on your sink or just on your tabletop that's one of the things we recommend and i agree with you about plastic because everybody knows there are chemicals that leach from that plastic even though the manufacturers actually that's a very interesting story june the the way that the manufacturers of plastic have have led a campaign now for years spending millions and millions of dollars to try to convince the legislators not to take uh one particular chemical you know the one called bisphenol a Mm. bpa um the amount of money that they have spent lobbying legislators not to ban Bisphenol A could probably feed half of Africa. Unbelievable. <laughs> yes. So water is one factor that we should look at. Um, pesticides, as you mentioned, are another. Uh, just to talk about pesticides for a moment. Everybody. Sure. Yep. Uh, I recently did some research into obesity. I just heard a radio program about obesity and diabetes today how they are skyrocketing. One of the causes of obesity and, and diabetes, yep, we don't exercise enough and we eat too much bad food, but another cause that nobody mentions are the pesticides that are in our foods. They change the way our hormones work, and um, they, they cause your hormones to misfire and the result is either obesity or uh, diabetes.
0: And it's interesting that you mentioned that because I remember when I was little, uh, there was a whole big thing that, oh, if you eat too much sugar, you're going to get diabetes. And basically there was this whole big thing where the only way that you get diabetes is if you ate too much sugar. And it's just interesting how many, uh, I guess, right. urban legends just have evolved and just the amount of need for education, especially factual information, so that people can really understand what's going on and understand why things are happening the way that they are. And the bottom line is, is that when it comes to our health, any of these chemical corporations, they don't have any type of moral or ethical obligation to us. Their no. only obligation is to their shareholders, and exactly. that is by law. By law, these corporations are obligated to make their shareholders money. And so, you know, does that mean that I'm anti-business? No, of course not. I think business is great. Um, I'm an American, and I think anybody who has a business, you know, go for it. But the bottom line is is that at some point uh, there needs to be some type of responsibility on the corporation's part especially for what they're putting out to the public and it's interesting you you look back to I think it was what the, the late 1970s, early 80s with Tylenol there was a recall because of the fact that someone had tampered with a bottle right. and put cyanide in a bottle and somebody died so that not only created a scandal for the corporation but it, consumers panicked. Consumers would not touch Tylenol, and it was a huge PR disaster for them. And basically what happened was, because of that death, there were regulations put in, and now um, you know, they have to manufacture products in a certain way. And it, it just bothers me that people have to die in order for things to be regulated, in order for um, responsibility to uh, be um,
1: assumed. Right, and you raise a very good point, uh, which is that public outrage made th- that those corporations change the way they were doing things. And what I hope we can do, um, all of us who are parents and grandparents, is to understand how there are other products and processes in our daily life that are harming our kids in ways that are more stealthy. Of course you don't really know whether there's bisphenol A in your plastic or not. How could you? You're not a chemist. But it is in there. The corporations hide the fact that it's dangerous for your health, for your kids' health. And that's why we allow um, all of these toxins to enter our children's lives because we are being uh, taken in by the there that they will not allow the truth to come out, and they will stifle the truth, and we, our voices are so silent compared to the corporate voices that you hear via advertising. Um, so that's why parents need to be better educated, and they need to really understand what is in every facet of their kids' lives, from their... I mean, For example, take a a baby crib. If you buy a baby crib that's made out of pressed wood and it will be a lot less expensive than solid wood, that baby crib is made with formaldehyde. Are you going to find that on the label? Nope, but that's where it is. And it goes on and on. A lot of products that are inexpensive, like inexpensive rugs, are backed with, a kind of backing that has a chemical, again, that can cause cancer in in babies. Um, From what we need to do is the the way that you, June, speak up on behalf of organic food, we need the same kind of purity in all the products that we expose our children to.
0: Yes, we definitely do. And... The bottom line is the corporations need to be held accountable, not after death occurs, but right. when they're putting out a product. And it's interesting, when it comes to uh, certain aspects of manufacturing food, there are requirements based based upon the fact that, um, you know, in order to prevent people from getting uh, food poisoning and other food-related illnesses, uh... these mandates are put in place however when it comes to other products as you mentioned rugs and uh... uh... it it doesn't matter what it is uh... there it really is nothing and it's up to the consumer to play sherlock holmes and determine okay well what's in this and that's why it's it's also very important that if you're going to buy something take a look at what you're paying for, because the bottom line is is that you might be buying something that's very inexpensive,
1: but what is the cost as far as your health? Yes, yes. Oh, that was one of the most interesting uh, facts that we uncovered as we were doing our research, that the illnesses among our kids cost this nation $60 billion a year for just lead poisoning, cancer, asthma, and learning disorders. So... We are not really saving money when we buy um, a cheap bedspread or a cheap rug. We are spending money on our children's illness, and we are spending money on the fact that kids' um, IQs are being diminished. Uh, You really do have to do research for just about, I mean, it's really a shame. You do have to do research for almost every product you bring into your house. It should not be that way. Uh, the, the, the burden should be on the manufacturer to make a product that is safe for our kids. But that's not the case. I think you know and your audience may know that most chemicals are not tested. None of them are tested by the government. They're all tested by their manufacturer, and most of the chemicals are not tested at all for harm to children. And that's why these products end up in our babies' lives. And... Um, and the burden falls on parents to look at all the different databases that exist and read all the different newsletters to protect their kids. And I think it's most important. I've just come across a new uh, study from a scientist at Harvard who says that the most important time to be conscious of what we're doing is uh, for the child-bearing age woman because uh, her body what she's got in her body will affect the health of her fetus uh, again the burden is on us as women to make sure that everything we eat drink and sleep in is, and put on our faces by the way <laughs> is healthy and that's
0: an, that is really something that most young people just don't understand I mean you look at how many young people are hitting the drive-throughs, whether it's lunchtime or or you know late at night after they're done hanging out with their friends, uh, what have you, and all the fast food consumption is just amazing. And what's interesting is is that if you look at the way that they package fast food in the styrofoam, uh, and uh, it just the the packing past, if I could say packaging itself. It really just is one huge uh, toxic combination uh, between the, the, as I call it, non-food that they're trying to push and the packaging that goes along with it. It's it's horrendous. Uh, And the fact that there are so many companies out there that are still using styrofoam, it just amazes me.
1: And ends up in the oceans, right? Not only in our own bodies, but also in the oceans where it pollutes. All the creatures that live in the ocean. Um, we, the research that we did about what's happening in this country, uh, indicates that America is not doing as well as other countries, and I think we have an obligation to work with our corporations and our and our regulators to try to do better. Um, we found out that. The United States is 49th in the world in life expectancy and 29th in the world in infant mortality, up there with Poland and Slovakia. Uh, That is... It's disturbing. It's (laughs) shocking. Right.
0: It's it's really disturbing, especially since uh, this is supposed to be the land of milk and honey, and meanwhile, you know, the bees are dying, and the milk's contaminated from RBGH. I mean, it's, it's kind of it makes you wonder, okay, at what point are they just going to just blow up the whole planet? I mean, how much can we take? And what's interesting is that um, you see all sorts of different things that are going on, and unfortunately, until people have a personal reason, whether it's themselves or a family member, they don't really take it seriously. They figure, oh, you know what, somebody else, let them deal with it. Or, I mean, I was kind of mortified when... um, I, I just reached out to different people in the public, and I said, you know, what's your, what is your thought on, you know, this particular subject, so on and so forth? And I remember one gentleman said, well, you've got to die somehow. Well, that may be Whoa. true. When my maker takes me, so be it. Can't do anything about it, but I am not going to allow a corporation to profit from my demise. That's for sure.
1: And your kid's demise. Exactly. Right. So that's really why we focused on children, was because we thought that uh, that people would perk up if it had, if the danger had to do with their children. But it is affecting all of us, as you say. It's not only affecting our kids; uh, it's shortening our lifespan. It's you, I, we have research that proves that the uptick in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's are just as much a result of the toxins in our environment as the increase in autism among kids, that the people who are beginning to show signs of of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, these are people who were born uh, just about when the chemical revolution in America, the uh, miracles of chemistry in your life, that's about when it started, and now these people are are coming into old age, and the, the Their brains and bodies have been affected by these chemicals just as much as the kids who have autism. um, They are also affected by the chemicals in their mother's womb.
0: Well, it's no surprise, Alice, because if you think about it, these chemicals, especially with the pesticides, uh, more specifically with the new breed of pesticides, with uh, the systemic pesticides, There hasn't been enough research that has been done, and lo and behold, they're granted uh, registration by the EPA, and we don't know what we can expect when the effects fully uh,
1: have have, have come to fruition. Yes. And that is a huge problem. The science is controlled by the very manufacturers who put them into our lives. Um, actually, there should be a third party who would look at all the, the chemicals that are being used in our lives. The manufacturers should have to pay into um, a special kitty, and then that money would support independent review of all the chemicals that make it into our lives. But that's not the way it goes right now.
0: No, and that's something that we definitely need to change.
1: Chemical production, it was uh, here are the figures, in 1980... America used or made or imported 200 million pounds, and now it's up to 27 trillion pounds in just 30 years.
0: I can't even fathom what that would realistically
1: be. No, but it does sort of indicate uh, that we are being swamped in, in products that have not been tested by any third party for their safety.
0: And that's a dangerous thing because we're basically allowing our health uh, and well-being to be sacrificed for what? For a corporation. It's funny when you watch people just uh, getting together in a gathering or just even publicly. Say, if you go to the mall, you go to the store, what have you? If somebody say if somebody trips somebody, whether it's by accident or pur- on purpose, the other person. Uh, You know, might just get annoyed and say, hey, you know, buddy, watch it, or say something. But the corporations, which actually in this country are recognized as citizens, the fact that they can do whatever they want, people don't get annoyed. They don't get anything. They just don't react unless they have a reason to.
1: And you have opened another channel of of interest to me, which is you wonder how come the facts of what they are doing have not been um, exposed except by people such as you one of the most shocking things that we came across was the fact that scientists are many many scientists more than you would ever h- hope for have been willing to be bought by corporations uh, to do to give their blessings to corporate products and corporate processes uh, Science has been polluted itself. People are willing to um, to enroll in studies that will show no harm when actually there is harm. And all across the country, starting with Erin uh, Brockovich, where, the, as you know in that story, scientists were brought in to say that the chemical that was being used in the water out there in mm-hmm. California was perfectly all right, that scientist uh, worked for a company that gets hired left and right by corporations. The last time it was hired that I remember was when Toyota's cars started accelerating on their own. Mm. The same company who said that the water in the Aaron Brockovich case was safe also said that there was nothing wrong with Toyota's cars. And the, the guy who was the head of the research for the Aaron Brockovich case showing that, oh, yes, the water is perfectly safe. He earned $600 an hour just to sit there and watch a film about uh, the community that she was covering.
0: Now, um, in defense of the scientists, not all scientists no. um, have caved. Not all scientists um, are willing to... To do what the corporations dictate in fact uh, it's very interesting how many scientists have been uh, slandered and basically crucified publicly uh, discredited brought to shame any way possible if they speak up if against they speak up, yes if they speak up against these chemical giants case in point, Professor Don Huber, which, uh, which uh, he was on the show um, earlier this year, and Professor Huber, I mean, he is an, an outstanding American. Uh, he served this country proudly, and he was very devoted. He's very well respected. And, you know, the, the whole smear cane pan, campaign that they launched, it was a joke, I mean, Mm -hmm. what they did was so distasteful and disgraceful, uh, it really did, it really made them look bad, Uh, and anybody who uh, understood what was going on, I mean, it was very clear to see exactly what was going on, Um, and that's a shame, but that is very common, Uh, not just here in the United States, but especially abroad, where if a scientist speaks out, that's basically what happens. And actually, my guest tomorrow uh, is the film producer for the movie uh, uh, Seeds of Destruction. And uh, basically, uh, he focuses on the fact that so many uh, scientists have been uh, smeared, all uh, well, the smear campaigns and whatnot, they've been slammed basically because they spoke the truth. So it's. I think to a certain degree, it's the, the, the scientists that choose to stay in that environment yes. where they know that what they are doing uh, is wrong, you know, that's on their head. That's that's uh, something that they have to carry with them to their grave, uh, knowing that uh, what they're doing is contributing to uh, just mass levels of destruction. And unfortunately, there are some some scientists who have been put in situations where if uh they do differently their families are threatened and you know it it's it, it almost seems like it's um the mafia but these in the corporation <laughs> yes. it's absolutely insane
1: yes and i totally agree with you i just wanted to point out that in some cases in in all too many cases they are in fact aided by scientists who are willing to work for very high sums of money um, on behalf of a a wicked product, of a product that's going to harm us. Mm. Um, And of course you have to think about politicians and state officials and city officials who, who also are willing not to speak out because of the sums of money that have been Put in their way either to re-elect them or to help them personally. It, the what I think we're talking about is a whole fabric of society that is built in a way that is harming us and our kids instead of being organized uh, to produce a healthy and and good society. And, and in a way, it it reflects itself in uh, our attitudes toward all kinds of environmental issues, from from air and water to global climate change. The same people who will tell you it doesn't matter what's in your water will also tell you that there's nothing wrong with uh, the fish in the ocean dying or the trees that are dying from global climate change. There, it's all a picture of a society that is not looking for the, for the best of our long-range lives.
0: Well, it's interesting that when you talk to people, um, you know, for the most part, nobody wants to live in a toxic environment. Nobody wants to purchase products that are bad for them. I mean, uh, the case with GMOs, when people were polled, and asked, you know, would you knowingly purchase a product if it were labeled genetically modified? There was not one person that said that they would. Even a former um, executive uh, of Monsanto's made a statement that you may as well put a skull and crossbones yes. on the label. And the bottom line is, is that. The same thing holds true with these pesticides and these other toxic chemicals. They're not
1: labeled, and that's, that's part of the that problem. That is the problem. That right. is the
0: biggest problem. Now, Alice, let me ask you a question. When you began your investigation with your husband, what was the first thing that you stumbled upon, uh, and how did you, I mean, How did you respond? Did you try to communicate with other people, colleagues, so on and so forth, to find out if they knew anything? Uh, Can you just uh, talk about the the earlier stages in uh, your career when you first started really hammering this whole subject?
1: Right. I Remember I mentioned that my husband had covered the environmental beat for 17 years on the New York Times. So he knew which scientists, were interested in environmental issues, mm. and we were able to put together a, p- a panel of scientific advisors. There were 12 people from across the country who were our scientific advisors. They were all outstanding leaders in one facet of the environmental science, health sciences and, or the other, and they led us to understand what the worst issues, the most important issues were. They led us to families whom, they, whom we interviewed, um, and then they were able to look over our book and make sure that there were no factual errors in it. So there's where we started, was the panel of scientific advisors. Then, interestingly, God knows how, but somehow word got out around the country that we were doing this research, and we began to hear from parents. People called us. People wrote to us. People emailed us. With stories, and that was how some of the most interesting stories made their way into our book. We also traveled all around the country, and wherever we went, people would show up. If we were talking to a lawyer, one night we were in Texas, and we were talking to a lawyer, and a woman came into his office carrying a scrapbook of pictures of her grandchild. Ah, it was heartbreaking. She um, had. What did she
0: have in that scrapbook?
1: We had pictures of him from the day when he was born as this gorgeous big fat baby, to the day when he died at 16, when he was emaciated, he had no hair, um, and he died of cancer. He lived in a community where rubber, was synthetic rubber, is manufactured, and all of that stuff, all of the synthetic rubber that we use left and right in our in our lives, all those chemicals. get emitted into the air of the community where the factory is built, and the rate of cancer um, among the kids is through the roof. And she documented that in the scrapbook that she brought into the room, subsequently found out that the people at the hospital where all of these kids were dying, because it was all one hospital, it was one community, Mm -hmm. they they were not keeping any track of the kids' deaths because who was on the board of the hospital the uh, rubber companies the executives
0: of course <laughs> it, it, it's just like when you look at some of these chemical corporations where all of a sudden they're supporting the girl scouts the fire department you know uh, nominate the farmer of the year give me a break that's one of the oldest dirtiest tricks in the book but anybody who understands what their tactics are they try to blend in but you can't blend in when you're sticking out like a sore thumb.
1: Uh, we had so many heartbreaking stories like that. Um, sometimes the kids survive. Our cancer. The childhood cancer rate is up by 67%, uh, but now the children don't necessarily die the way they used to. They, they can uh, be cured to some degree, but a lot of them do have recurrences of the cancer. Uh, all of these statistics about how childhood cancer has gone up, how autism has, has increased by 300%, um, all of these have their root in the same cause, which is the manufacture um, of products that in most cases could be manufactured in so many easier ways. And again, I want to stress the fact that we are not really saving money when we buy a cheap product because it ends up you can spend $150,000 to $250,000 taking care of a kid with autism a year. Or think of what it costs to take care of a child with cancer. So we are not really saving money in our country by uh, taking these shortcuts.
0: No, we're definitely not. And the bottom line is, is that when it comes to quality of life, you can never take shortcuts because one way or the other, it's, it's something that you're going to pay for if not that's sooner right. than later, and that's the bottom line. And It's just interesting how we as human beings are responsible for our actions, but yet the corporations are not responsible for their actions.
1: Yep, but yet
0: they're demanding, or they have been granted the same rights
1: as citizens as what we have exactly. And because they have so much more power and money, they can get away with just about anything that they want. And we and our kids are the they uh, are the brunt of it, right? Mm. They th- what is it? Um, A day of profit, something about a day of pollution is a day of profit. It's one of the corporate mantras, one of the corporate slogans. Uh, And we fall for the advertising. That's the other thing. We uh, watch television. Um, Fabriz, for example. Fabriz is now... Oh, I
0: can't stand (laughs) Fabriz.
1: I hate the smell, but that's only because you and I know what's in it. Uh, you know that it oh, it'll nowadays. it'll make my
0: throat close up. I I physically have a horrible reaction from Febe- Fe- Febreze. I came in and say it. Uh, Febreze. Any of those air fresheners. Yeah. And the irony is, is that they're supposed to be air fresheners, and the reality is, yes. they are air contaminants. They are contaminating my air, and when it's sprayed in any room that I'm in. Say if I'm at, it uh, doesn't matter if I'm uh, in an office or wherever, if they spray it, I have to get out of that room immediately because I get physically sick. And, uh, yeah, I, I please continue. Were okay. you going to talk about the commercial?
1: Yes, but, uh, Procter & Gamble spends over $81 million a year advertising Febreze. That's, that's why people buy it. Febreze has become the official NFL air freshener. What does that mean, right? Uh, and what is it composed of? It's composed of petroleum, formaldehyde, benzene, propane. Um, things, you will not find that on the label, but you can hear by the name of the products how harmful they are to you and, and your kid. So if you are if you are sickened by it, June, your body is reacting sensibly, and unfortunately, most people think, oh, my God, it smells so good, and they're, they're harming themselves.
0: Well, there are people that sniff gas and think that that smells good. <laughs> I'll never good understand point. that. But let me ask you a question. So did you test, did had you find out what the exact ingredients are? Did you have the product tested?
1: No, we didn't, but um, what another nonprofit organization did. So there are amazingly wonderful non-profit groups all across the country, underfunded, of course. Mm. Uh, they don't have the kind of laboratories that, that we should be having. Um, there was, There is a non-profit organization, um, in fact, it's a, a women's organization, who tested a bunch of household products, including Febreze. They tested uh, some of the other kind of products that we use in our houses, um, and for each one of them they found the ingredient that is absolutely none, none of them are ever on the label. And then you have wonderful groups like the Environmental Working Group who are testing what's inside our, our cosmetics, again another unbelievable story of, of contamination.
0: Well, with the the cosmetics, I just want to interject, there's a great uh, website called um, personalcaretruth.org in which uh, the gals that, and they've been on the show as well, um, Lisa and uh, Kirsten, I think her name is, uh, they founded the organization, and they actually work with scientists, and they don't uh, provide opinions, they provide... Uh, scientific evidence as far as what different chemicals do, what's in which cosmetics, so on and so forth. And um, you know, it, it's it's a very well composed site with a lot of factual um, or just factual information about all sorts of different topics when it comes to personal care products. And so. that's
1: what. And when I say parents have to, parents and people just have to take the burden in their own hand of doing the research they need to know about websites like that one and the one from environmental working group and the one that tests all of the household cleaners Uh, the the burden is on us the websites the databases exist uh, put together by underfunded nonprofits but until there are better regulations in this country well, you That's have to take you matters. To know.
0: Exactly. You have to take matters into your own hands. And it's interesting when you see all these commercials for detergents, for example, yes. they don't talk about uh, the residues that are left behind from these different detergents, whether it's dish detergent. Um, I remember going to um, the New York Fancy Food Show, and there was a particular exhibit where they used, uh, I think it was Dawn or uh, something like that Dawn or Joy or one of those. Uh, commercial brands, and I could taste the residue in uh, whatever the food was that they prepared, and I immediately spit it out. And the lady looked at me, and she said, "What's wrong?" And I said, "I taste soap." And you know, everybody looked at me like I had three heads. And I said, "You know, I uh, I have a very delicate palate, and obviously, you know, I'm very sensitive to these chemicals. And I'm I'm sorry, but you know." Uh, if you're going to prepare something, at least, especially something high-end, uh, have the common decency to use an organic uh, Castile liquid soap. Uh, you know, I personally love Vermont soap for that reason. I only use uh, the Castile liquid soap. Even some of the soaps that are on the market that claim to be uh, environmentally friendly, and I love the word natural. Natural means nothing.
1: Natural means nothing. The only word that means anything is organic.
0: Yes, and it's very important when you are purchasing organic that you get to know the manufacturer. Uh, It's interesting how in the middle of the night, many companies that are well-established went from organic back to natural. And it really, really irritates me to no end because it's like, you know, you look at the people that are uh, in charge of the company, and it's like, yeah, you sold out and that's the bottom line, but it's up to the consumer to just constantly educate yourself and even products that you're familiar with, uh, just keep checking to make sure that the products are what they say, and most of these companies are more than happy to answer any questions, and they usually list their contact information um, on the label.
1: Yep, you're right, and... um, Let me tell you another wonderful story, Mm -hmm. sort of heartbreakingly interesting. It's not only the chemicals that we bring into our houses with our products, but it's also the chemicals around us. One of those stories was the grandmother whose grandson lived in a community where they were manufacturing synthetic rubber. Another amazing story, and again, it came to our doorstep. Somebody emailed me and said... Uh, Call me by phone. I can't speak to you by email because my email is being tapped. The only way that I have freedom of speech is over the phone. His phone was not being tapped. He was a scientist who was working um, to discover why there was a group of kids dying in a small town in Nevada. And he was studying the trees in Nevada. He was a, uh, a tree scientist. He was studying the chemical rings in trees in this community in Nevada to find out what chemical was infecting the whole community, including the trees. And he found out, and there's a lawsuit against the manufacturer of the chemical, but the chemical company's lawyers are taking him to court as a research scientist they are making his life miserable so here is a a wonderful scientist just as you said there are across the country whose life is being made hell whose freedom of speech is being affected because he is a witness in this case against a a chemical company
0: well it's called bullying only it's not recognized as bullying Mm -hmm. because it's done discreetly it's done where go ahead and prove it
1: right and And this uh, is a story across the, uh, the country
0: yeah and you know you're doing a good job, especially if uh you're you're being monitored so to speak and you know I love it when my phone is tapped i, I uh, special shout out to my friend uh <laughs> kristen who who uh has done a lot of work educating the public as well as about uh the problems with pesticides, especially with our children so uh yes if you're listening, special shout out to you and uh <laughs> It's just interesting that when you talk to other people who are in positions such as we are where we are trying to raise awareness, and we're not doing anything wrong other than presenting factual information to people about what has happened elsewhere so that they don't need to experience it firsthand themselves. Uh,
1: You know, The scientists that I mentioned have stories to tell about the kind of work that they are doing, the kind of harassment they've been faced by, and the kids that they've seen. One of my most amazing science advisors is a woman at Harvard who studies uh, children with brain problems, um, you know, physical brain problems. Mm. And she said that for the first time in her life she has seen little children somebody as young as three who was so aggressive that their their other children and parents were afraid of them that and she and her brain her act her brain cells the the formation of her brain has actually been changed by some of the um, materials that mostly chemicals as you say but there can be other products too that will affect the kid um, and she herself has a hard time getting funding for her work um, amazing isn't it but these are the stories that we heard of all across the country um, another one was of a young boy her, who his parents brought him to Idaho away from California because they thought it would be safer in Idaho mm. and it oh was, yeah right it turned out that he was, the, the whole town is drinking water that's been polluted by the mining industry, and there's a whole group of kids there, again, with cancer.
0: Just watch the movie Gasland. It's eye-opening as far as water contamination, especially in this country. It's uh, it's very eye-opening, and, uh, you know, it, it it's amazing. They're polluting the land, they're polluting the air, they're polluting the water, Once again, at what point are they just going to wipe out the entire species?
1: Well, the fact is that the National Science Foundation a couple of years ago, about two years ago, put out a statement saying that one out of every two pregnancies will end either in fetal death or a less-than-healthy child. That's the National Science Foundation. And so you're right. We are diminishing the, the, the lives and health of, of the next generation.
0: Now, let me ask you a question, Alice. Why do you do what you do?
1: A little silence on my part here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it makes you wonder, you know. Uh, it's hard to say, isn't it, why you, one is impelled to try to find the truth and fight for it. Mm. Uh, who knows? Who knows? It's is it my parents? Is it the college I went to? Is it the husband I married? I don't know, but I do know that it's, it's worth it. It doesn't really matter whether you make a whole lot of money or or get your phone tax. You mean
0: you can actually make money doing this?
1: Where no. did I sign up in the wrong place? The only way you make money is by good foundations who might support your work, but otherwise you don't make money. No, definitely
0: not. It's just interesting when people ask me that question, why do you do it? Uh, why do
1: you do it, June?
0: Personally, it would be nice to be able to go out and socialize like everybody else and not have to wonder, okay, if I do this, is this going to make me sick, or is that going to make me sick, so on and so forth. And, I mean, it might not just be a physical reaction. It might just be that I have a headache for the next two days, uh, something like that. And it just, it's, it's disastrous. Uh, thank you know, God, in, I mean, New York, they don't allow public smoking, but... Uh, <laughs> very good point.
1: But uh, what do they allow? Right. So maybe, June, the bottom line is that uh, you are impelled by your own physical reactions, and we were impelled by looking at what was happening to our grandkids mm. and all of their the people that... that of their age group, and we—it was—it's a heartbreak, and we had to do something about it. And why we felt we had to do something about it? Well, who else is going to? Exactly.
0: Now, with your grandkids, uh, do you, are you very active with the community? Um, can you talk about that? How how you've been able to interact within your own uh, community? Uh,
1: yes. And I'm, I must admit that it's not easy.
0: No, we, it's not. Here
1: I live in a very highly educated, upper income, upper middle income community, and the parents are loath to listen. Oh, a lot of bad news. Oh, you're going to ask me to do something. It's it's an uphill battle. So all the changes that we've tried to bring to the community around us, uh, there are some families who will respond and change the way they are, they are leading their kids' lives, uh, and others who just don't want to hear bad news.
0: Oh, I completely understand that. Um, I've had my own personal experiences with that. And what I choose to do is when I'm... Uh, around young people, especially, uh, I would say, teenagers and slightly younger. It's amazing how when you're working with kids and you tell them, uh, you give them information that they can process, that they can relate to as far as why this is good, why this is bad. You make it easy so that they can understand and you give them examples that they can relate to, they absorb that very quickly and what I found is that they will go back and nag the parents to no end. They'll say, mom, dad, you can't do this because this is bad for the yes. environment. You know, mom, you need to put your seatbelts on, it's against the law, you're jeopardizing my safety. It's just amazing how when you give kids information, they are, they're, they're basically our hope for the future
1: and we are also working with uh, one of the local colleges here with uh, the kids in their environmental program and uh, that age group too, the university uh, college age they Mm. too are really open for information and action that's based on information and they are the hope for the future we hope, right? of course
0: um alice do you lecture
1: in your local area do you lecture uh do you still travel around the country yep we still i still travel my husband doesn't like to um and we do give i do give talks uh, around the country but mostly the way that i'm trying to spread the word is from my own profession as a writer so i'm i do a lot of writing still and my articles on are carried on a number of websites that uh, that are aimed at young parents. I'm trying mm. to spread the word to young parents, and they are, too, very often a receptive group. But, you know, you've got to find the right group of young parents because some of them couldn't care less.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate because I, I think it's a matter of they're a little too young to be in positions where they're, you know, responsible for a whole family, where they're just trying to... Uh, mature. Um,
1: yeah, but as I said, these are the women who are of childbearing age whose actions are going to make the most difference. And if I can convince them, that's a good thing.
0: Oh, of course.
1: So of I, course. Do, we, I do use my computer as, as, a, as a tool to try to get the word out. And I'd love to make whatever I've written available to you, June, in any way you'd like.
0: Well, thank you, Alice. And, uh, Alice, on that note, can you please share with our audience your website? Because there are a lot of folks, not only here in the United States, but people who are abroad who are listening to the show or might listen to the show at some point in the future. And, um, you know, it would be great if they could uh, pick up a copy of your book and also uh, learn from all the information, the wonderful
1: information that you have on your website. That's wonderful, June. The book is called Poison for Profit. Um, how Toxins Are Making Our Children Chronically Ill, and our website is www.poisonedforprofit.net. In addition to the book, on the website you'll find all the articles that I've been writing since the book came out on topics as wide-ranging as um, how trickless and a chemical has found its way into all of our clean products, uh, to cosmetics, to obesity, and uh, pesticides, So the articles that I've written as a follow-up that appear on the net are very useful.
0: Thank you so much. And, Alice, thank you again for coming on the show today. It has been really wonderful having you on, talking about uh, all the wonderful work that you're doing, and really you're just doing such a magnificent job getting the information
1: out to the public. I appreciate that very much, June. And also, may I... Turn the tables and say, I appreciate your, your work.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Everyone, we are out of time. But thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've missed the show, you can always subscribe to The Organic View on iTunes or visit our podcast archives at www.theorganicview.com. Have a great day, everyone.